Welcome to the Shane Lanigan's podcast. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, all, and welcome to this fortnight's installment of the Shane Lanigan's podcast, Artist Edition, the podcast series where I interview artists who are not super well known but should be. On this episode, I am joined by Minnesota-based indie artist Hala. Hala has been releasing music for a while now with popular tracks such as What Is Love, Tell Me Is It Easy, Sorry, and Found A Way. He recently released an album last year called Red Herring, which you should all go and check out as soon as this episode is over, or now if you wish. Please all welcome Hala to the podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fortnight's installment of the Shane Anagans Podcast Artist Edition, the podcast series where I interview artists who are not super well known but should be. On today's episode, I am joined by indie artist Hala. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. How are you doing, Hala? What's um, what's the sizzle? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for asking. Yeah, that's good, man. That's always good. Um, where are you coming to us from? Um, Ferndale, Michigan. Right. Okay. Is that, uh, I don't know where anything is in America. I'm not going to lie to you. All of the frequent listeners know this already. I just, I don't even know where I am on the map. <laughs> um, it's about, uh, I'd say, 10 minutes, five minutes from the Detroit city limits. <laughs> I don't know any. I don't know anything about America, to be honest. <laughs> Looks like a mitten, you know. Oh, right. Okay. So everybody gives directions to everybody. Like I live here or here in Traverse City or something. Right. So okay. Or something. To show the uh, the geographic location. That's really cool, man. Yeah. Um, as usual, as usual, we always start off with a joke. Today's no different. Um. Let's just get right into it. Two elderly couples have their weekly meetup at a table in their local park. They take a seat. The ladies chat with one another across the table, as do the gents. Fred asks Harold, are you still going to that memory clinic? Harold says, yes, it's been helping my memory a lot. I recommend you come along to our next session. What do they do there? Asks Fred. They teach us to remember things through word association, replies Harold. Fred says, I might have to give it a try. What's the name of the clinic? Harold pauses for a while trying to remember. He says, um, uh, hang on, hang on. Um, what's the name of that beautiful flower, the one that has the thorns? Fred says, that'd be a rose, Harold. Harold turns to his wife and says, Rose, what's that name of the clinic I go to? It wasn't that good. Don't worry. I, I didn't make it up. You don't need to give me sympathy laughs. It's cool. <laughs> so, um, how have you been keeping yourself cool during this whole COVID situation? Um, just writing a lot. Uh, I've been trying to keep my mind, uh, keep it turning, keep the wheels turning. And, um, starting back with school and, uh, just writing every day has kind of kept a solid head on my shoulders, you know, but I don't know. It's, I, I'm bummed that we can't be doing shows and I had plans last uh, fall to go to the 
go to Europe and do a string of shows there. And so that's been put on the back burner. Uh, yeah. I don't know when. That sucks, man. Uh, I hope I can go over there and, and tour and stuff while I'm still cute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I mean, to be fair, the last years of my teenage life are being eaten away by this pandemic. It's just, it's tough for all of us, to be honest. It sucks. And I don't know how old I'm going to be when this ends, you know? Like, I mean, how, how old were you when this all started, March last year? Uh, 22. 22, yeah, exactly. So I'm assuming you're like 23 now then. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. 24 in, in May. Exactly. So what if all of this carries on past May? That's two years, Ian. That's that's crazy. I, I'm, I'm turning 20 in June. I'm, I'm getting... I was about to say I'm getting old. I'm not, not, not... I don't mean it like that. But you know what I mean, though? Like, I'm losing my youth to this... To this virus. It's it's crazy, yeah. I, I, I mean, there's a lot of people that have it far worse, you know. It's just sacrificing a few years yeah. of, you know. That's true, comfortable, yeah. you know, known lifestyle is, you know, not as great as a sacrifice as, you know, what some people have been through in this situation. But, I mean, I found that it's just like, it's it's not healthy to predict when it'll all be over and you know when um like how old i'll be when that happens because that just that drives you crazy that and it just makes you sad because you realize the time that's passing and uh you know that's true i I guess when we when we try to predict it we just have to like you know knock on wood or something just to just just to make sure we don't jinx it Yeah, yeah totally yeah, so in terms of writing, I guess, have you been, I mean, what's been inspiring you to write, though? Have you been going on walks or something like that? Or is it just you sit around and you just think of stuff to write? Well, uh, I don't really, I don't really do, like, uh, I don't know. It, that's a tough question, especially right now, because it's the middle of winter. And, like, two days ago, we just got a foot of snow here. yeah. So it's it's kind of hard to to do anything for a prolonged period of time outside. Um, but I mean, I guess just out of kind of the boredom, you know, the downtime in between stuff I might be doing, um, I just sit at the piano or pick up the acoustic guitar and uh, just kind of let it be an escape. For a minute and sometimes it creates chord progressions that I I like and other times words will just pop into my head and that's the the makings of uh, the beginning of a song yeah man that's really cool that's I mean I, I love um, how sometimes when you when you're just sitting around, just just chilling, you know, you can create something amazing without even trying. It's crazy how things like that happen. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't like. I'm not like one of those people that likes to like schedule a time that I'm going to be working on music. It's kind of it, the guitar needs to call to me, call out to me, or you know, the instrument needs to call out to me. You know, 
Ian, Ian. <laughs> yeah. Voice or whatever. And I then, get that. Yeah. Is it like um? So it's more like spontaneous bursts, I guess, than of creativity. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, you know, those those they come in cycles or like waves. And sometimes, you know, I'll be kind of submerged in a song for a day or two, and then it'll be another month until I write something that I think even comes close to that song before. But I mean, that's all that's all about the process. Yeah. You know, not every song can be a hit, and um, it's each each song that you write is helpful because it betters you in deciphering, you know, ways you're going to go with production or writing. And uh, there's no there's no right or wrong or mistakes in songwriting, in my opinion. It's all subjective choices, and the end result. Is you know how you feel about it is subjective too, I guess. Where you're the person that deems if it's willing or not to be released or enjoyed by other people other than yourself, you know. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Um, how long does it usually take you to make a song then? Because I guess I mean I've had other people who I've interviewed say that they usually sit on a song for a while before they release it. So do you usually do that as well, or is it? Um, yeah, do you usually do that? Yeah, sometimes, um, but that's mostly just because of uh, timing of release and trying to do press and uh, other things like that. So with my with my last record like the songs were done and recorded and mastered and all that good stuff. And then it was another six months until it actually came out. Um, yeah. But that wasn't, that wasn't because of something that I had necessarily planned or, or was like unsure of the songs or the collection of songs. Um, I don't know. Sometimes the songs like I can write one in 20 minutes and then other, other times it takes me a whole day just to even think of like a verse line. Yeah, I understand, man, yeah. It's different, it's different every time. Yeah, so it's exactly. hard to pinpoint one exact way that I, I, I do it. Yeah, and I feel like when you see artists trying to, you can, you can tell when an artist is forcing that stuff out, you know? Like, I've talked about this before, but I don't, I mean, you probably don't listen to Chris Brown yourself, but Chris Brown released an album that had something like 52 tracks on it. What could honestly, what could honestly be the reason for someone writing fifty-two tracks? Because we all know that he didn't write all of those tracks himself. Um, but what could be the reason for that? Fifty-two tracks on an album. I mean, 50, like twenty tracks is too many. Let alone fifty-two. I don't. I don't know how they, how that got past the record label. <laughs> honestly, that body of work, like that, that length of a, of you know. That's a lot of stuff. Have you ever made 52 tracks in your entire life? Like, have you even touched I mean, that that length yet? Probably, I mean, if you take in the past couple of years, uh, just little snippets of songs, n nothing, you know, like, I've probably done that, but they're not, there's some that I would never release. And there's some that like only were just 30 second snippets of like, piano stuff that I was 
thinking about, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand. I don't know. It's interesting, though. I've been talking with some of my friends about kind of how, and this is kind of a tangent, but it, 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 it kind of applies. The, um, just the fact that without touring happening, it's, it seems like we're heading towards more of a singles market where I, 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 I'm predicting, or I think it's foreshadowing. People don't want to take on a whole album release right now because then you can't, you, you know, when you make merch for it, press vinyl or whatever you might do, it's hard to, to sell that stuff because you can't tour right now. Yeah, you can't promote that record. So I, I think what we're going to be seeing is more of a concentration on just the singles, kind I of understand. like how it was in maybe the mid '60s. Just people are going to put out singles every couple of months because that's more um, manageable, I guess. In the, yeah, in that situation. I don't know because when I look at because sometimes I look at old well I say old um, artists from back in the day and I just think about how um, like I look at their Spotify's right and there's albums every single year for like or every two years even and they've got like twenty different albums and it's crazy so I mean. I don't know if they necessarily released loads of singles. I don't know if you have a input onto that yourself. Are you talking about like King Gizzard or Brockhampton kind of? No, I'm talking about like older artists, like I guess Bob Marley or Alton Ellis or, um, you know, people like that, if you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I think, I think people were buying records a lot more back then people were going to the stores every day yeah once a week so a quicker turnaround kind of seems like it makes sense just in a lot of back then to the beatles and elvis they had different versions that were released in the uk and the us um in a band like the stray cats they their first record i think came out in england there was a different version in Japan and a different version in, in the US. Yeah. And so I, I think there wasn't kind of like, they weren't, uh, how do I want to phrase this? They, they, the focus wasn't one specific project. It was getting those songs, getting a compilation more so of songs together and just kind of rapid fire, like getting them out wherever and whenever they could. And the distribution game has probably changed a lot since then. But um, I don't know, that's kind of my idea of why back then that stuff was, was happening. Yeah, I understand, yeah. I feel like in this day and age, it's a lot more difficult to make um, actual good quality music, if you get what I mean. I guess because of how accessible music creation is like literally if you have a laptop and you don't even need a microphone i'm pretty sure kanye recorded a lot of jesus is king through an iphone microphone which is ridiculous like you literally just need a laptop and internet and that's all you need to make some make some music you know it's crazy and i love that though that is i mean without that stuff without all, all those things that you just mentioned 
I don't know what I'd be doing. I love my iPhone mic. I do demos on it all the time. Sometimes when I don't have like a MIDI controller or a piano, you know, I'll use the laptop keyboard. I think, I think everybody should try out GarageBand or, you know, Fruity Loops or whatever, you know, Ableton. I, I, it's, it's a great thing. I, and I don't know. I, I don't know if it's, if it's necessarily by quality, like, it, are you, are you meaning for more of like a songwriting or like a, like kind of the sonic, how it, the, the quality of the sound? guess you could say both to be honest because look there's only so many times you can listen to random guys talking about how they've shagged my 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 girl and how they've you know how they've done like 20 perks and stuff it's it like i mean come on i'm sure you you understand as well it could get a bit a bit tight like I've heard the same story, the same old song, 20 times, just in different fonts, if you get what I'm talking about. It's, well, there's I guess that's what I mean. There's definitely a formula, you know, that some people follow, and a stru structure. I think people are really conscious now of structure and um, kind of making it for the streaming platforms and, um, you know, cutting intros getting yes, people yeah. people interested right off the bat or starting with the vocal right off the bat. And people aren't doing fade outs on their songs anymore. Yeah. No long, you know, drawn out 45 second fades, which I love that stuff in, in older music. And I've, I've tried to do that stuff in my own, but I don't know. I, for me, like my, my biggest song on Spotify has, I mean, it's three minute, three and a half minutes long with an instrumental third verse like yeah that's... it really kind of goes against the grain of all those things that i've kind of heard people talk about and i, I don't know i find i find that interesting yeah i think that that's uh what is love is it easy isn't it yeah mm -hmm. yeah of course that one um i don't know i feel like sometimes your music just needs to find the right audience i guess because this generation has such short attention spans, especially when it comes to listening to new music. Like I was, like sometimes I'll show some of my friends a new track and they'll click to halfway through the track for some reason after three seconds of hearing the first like chord. Like they've probably clipped, skipped past the best part of the song just because they think that they've got other things to do after this. It's, it's ridiculous, you know, no one, I, I look, I'm not going to say no one, but it's difficult to find people who actually appreciate what goes into the music, you know? Well, that goes back to the, the accessibility thing that you were talking about, where, I mean, there's new music every day. Everybody can make music. I think maybe there's some devaluing, maybe. I don't know if that's the right word. Uh, kind of like the appreciation for the journey and the process just because people right now think everybody can do it you know everybody can do it yeah that's and, so i mean i i believe that is true and i believe that's a good thing but i think it's maybe done something to the, the listeners uh ideology perhaps 
Yeah, absolutely. It's like when, I don't know, like if you set a toddler free in the sweet section of Walmart or something, you know, they're just spoiled for choice and they don't know where to begin. And I guess they might like, I don't know, like take a scoop of, all right, let, let's lose the um, the sweet shop analogy and let's go to an ice cream shop, for instance. They'll take like a spoonful of chocolate, then a spoonful of like um, mint chocolate chip or something, and then they'll go through all of them rather than actually like taking a deep dive into that, into that luscious mango sorbet. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah man. It's, um, yeah. I mean, too, it's like, I'm maybe, I'm, do this too but it's it's like tunnel vision and with music like i only want to listen to specific people sometimes and specific types of music and i sometimes i have a difficult time breaking out of that and kind of appreciating other music or or you know introducing myself to new music because i have such a distinct taste of what you know i want to want to listen to and i think a lot of people feel the same way yeah absolutely yeah i mean for me personally i don't know what my taste is i guess it's set like alternative r&b is at the center i guess then the alternative r&b sort of branches to the side kind of into some kind of like bedroom pop sort of stuff like i, I don't know if you know jacob ogawa yourself like not know him personally but like know of his music yes yeah 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 like he sort of um branches off of alternative r&b into bedroom pop then there's modern rock which is like arctic monkeys and then you get like psychedelic rock tame impala um i don't really listen to king gizzard i'm not gonna lie to you <laughs> i think i like um one or two songs they're a bit too abstract for me i'm not going to lie to you um they tried it. <laughs> yeah. How long have they been around? They've been around for a while, I feel like. Probably like 10 years, I'd say. Yeah, that's that's quite a while. That's about as long as Tame Impala now that I think about it. Yeah. Uh, cool. I guess we can move on to the next question then. Um, what does the ideal peak of your career look like as a musician? Um, I don't know. I've, I've said before, I just want to write a song the whole world can sing. Uh, I don't know. I'd really like to be able to pay for my sister's college because I, ever since I was a little kid, and I, I, was, I was, would talk to my parents and be playing guitar with them, and I would say, I'm going to be a rock star, blah, blah, blah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay for my, my sister's college. So I, if I could do that, I think, I think I'd be happy. Yeah. That's really cool, yeah. I be, that's that's actually an interesting one because usually I hear people talking about how they want to be able to live off of the money that they make from music. But I don't know, that's a really selfless thing that um that you've just that you've just told us there, um, Ian. I really yeah. I figure if I can if I can pay for college, I could probably live off of it. <laughs> yeah that's true yeah you won't be um i don't know like living off the street just strumming your guitar and just like putting all of the spotify stuff into a bank or something yeah i get what you mean um yeah okay so what's your favorite musical memory then 
Huh. Huh. That's a good question. Um. Uh, I don't know. Maybe my dad taught me guitar, and basically from the moment that I could like, I developed motor skills. I had a guitar in my hand, and we would play together. And uh, I don't know. That's it's not really a distinct, specific memory, but just like. That time when I was just first getting introduced into music and songwriting, and having a mentor, and just like, just that that kind of like era or time period where I was really falling in love with music. That was that's really special to me. Yeah. Do you remember learning the guitar yourself, or were you, were you a bit too young to remember? Um. I, my dad, he taught me the beginnings, and then uh, I kind of went off, and you know, YouTube happened, and you could find how to play, you know, whatever jazz chord you wanted to to find. Um, yeah. So it kind of manifested into me figuring it out a little more. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was that was what it was all about. Just me and him, just playing classic rock songs for a while. It was great. Yeah, that's amazing, actually. Just being able to jam out with your dad. Like, my, my dad, I don't think he's ever played an instrument. So that's, I don't know, that's a really big blessing you've, you've been able to, um, to experience there. Yeah, totally is. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, I know that you perform with a band a lot of the time. Um, is that... Is that band, does that band have a big part in the writing of your music or is it all done by you? Uh, I write everything. And, you write everything, okay. Uh, I record everything as well. Like, I, I play all the instrumentation. So, I was really... I was really... I stressed it on my last record because I, I went out to Seattle to record it. Um, and they were kind of like asking me like, Hey, you want to like bring out some like session musicians or some, you know, a drummer that can actually play. And I'm like, no, I want to do it all. And they, they really had to like pull my arm in, in order for me to get like uh, string players in there. But once I realized, you know, the world that having a couple of, you know, professional violin and cello players you know that world that that opened up i was like oh, i'm so glad i did that yeah exactly the power like you just feel more powerful having people behind you like backing your work and um like especially with especially with bassists as well being able to feel that bass through your feet coming up like through your stomach and through like your chest that's that's a powerful feeling it makes you feel like i don't know like you're able to to, to conquer every bar that you perform in or, you know, I mean, what's your favorite place that you have performed actually? Huh. Good question too. Uh, I like Chicago a lot. Um, there's, there's a couple of really good venues in Chicago and I, I have some good friends there and, um, it's always, it's always a fun time. It, it, it's like play the show and then party in the city and it's, it's great. Yeah, I like, I like playing in Detroit too. Um, it's a little bit 
closer, you know, it's my close friends that come to the shows. So um, it doesn't, it, 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 it feels more like, like a tight knit kind of community thing, which is great. Um, but yeah, when you, whenever you go out, you know, in another city and play and people like it and then like they want to hang out or party or like show you something cool in the city, like that's like, that's what it's all about. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. You don't see a lot of artists interacting with their audience that much, you know? I mean, it's, it's weird when people hold themselves at that standard that, you know, you know, I just don't think that's, it's just weird. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of the people that come to my shows are my age, you know, they're in school, they're, you know, on the same, they're living the same kind of, you know, they live in the same environment. Like, like you're literally in the same stage of life as these people who you're performing exactly. to. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I've met a lot of cool people, you know, and that's, that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you don't see that often though. That's the thing. Like I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about mainstream artists like, you know, your, your Drakes, your Futures, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just thinking, those guys definitely don't interact with their fans once they're done playing a show. Like, I'd imagine, I don't know, once they're done with the show, they literally just get into their car or wherever and just, and just go back to the hotel to, like, to find some, some honeys there waiting for them or something, you know? It's, yeah... I think there's probably, it's probably a safety precaution, mostly, just <laughs> when you get to that level, but... That's probably true, yeah. I don't see my, myself ever getting to Drake's status. <laughs> it could happen, you know, it could happen. Stuff. Yeah. You never know, you never know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, 20 years ago, if you'd have been putting this music out, when you think about it, you would have probably been up there with like some super famous um, artists from back in the day. Like, I don't know, like, I guess you get like your Tears for Fears, your, you know, people like that who made music a bit similar to you. Did Tears for Fears make music similar to yours? Did they have much acoustic stuff? Um, I think a lot of Tears for Fears stuff, I mean, I only really know the hits. I do. Yeah, same, yeah. But I think they have, I think they were doing more like psychedelic jam stuff like uh that record uh songs from the big chair yes I'm pretty, yeah. I'm pretty sure that like half of that record is like really like on the psychedelic side but more more like with an 80s twist you know yeah i understand i yeah. could i could be wrong it's been so long since i've, I've listened to that record in, in, in its entirety but yeah i don't know that would have been that would be cool hollow yeah. notes too i would have loved yeah, it's really Dan. I mean, there's 80s, there's a lot of cool 80s music. And I, I just really, it, that was like, I'm, I'm interested in kind of like the analog gear a little bit. And, and back then they did everything on tape and things like MIDI and drum replacement and stuff, all the nerdy stuff. That yeah. was digital stuff world was just beginning to start. So it would have been really cool to just be a fly on the wall in some of those sessions and just see how the, how that workflow was. Absolutely. That, that yes. 
yeah man absolutely i agree yeah i'd love to i'd love to have seen some of you know some of the big records from the 80s 90s i mean even before that even the 60s um i'd love to have been just around just to see some of that stuff going down you know it would have been amazing motown Motown. Motown, yeah, absolutely. I just I just watched a real. It's on YouTube now, but it, the, the, it's free. So uh, it's like this Motown documentary. It's really fascinating because they took a lot of cues from the uh, the assembly line, like the the Ford, like the car manufacturer. Yes. And, uh, so that was kind of that influenced their process of uh, kind of recording, writing, recording, releasing, and doing it really efficiently um but yeah i used to funny enough i used to the, the building the motown it's the museum now um i used to live in a house that was right behind it right and that's where i i recorded that that record spoon fed that's really it. cool i recorded it in the attic of that house during the winter so i was like wearing coats while i was tracking <laughs> That's really cool, man. Yeah, I mean, I think I felt the uh, the energy of, <laughs> from that building, kind of like you felt like I don't know, like the spirits of your you felt like the spirits of like your musical ancestors or something. Just like I don't know, like Ian, use this chord, use that chord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was man. cool. Like I had a little window where I could see the museum and just like. That was like, I would just sit there and think like, how would they do it? How would they do this? Because how I'm doing it seems wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as long as it sounds good to you though, I guess there is no wrong way to, yeah, actually I'm thinking about it now. Okay, there are some wrong ways, but it's very difficult to find a wrong way to make music though, if you know what I'm saying. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. There's always a way in which you can tweak it to make it sound, um, listenable you know mm -hmm. yeah um cool so back to the band question i actually meant to ask do you prefer playing solo or with the band i suppose from what you said earlier you were implying that you preferred being with the band but i'm just curious as to what you think yourself i mean when we were touring it was always with the band i mean i would do solo shows every now and then and, and those were fun, but I mean, it's, I like playing with the band because we had like a mantra of that we just wanted to play fast and loud. And that was kind of what we were doing. We were taking my, you know, silly love songs with a lot of acoustic guitar and then playing them 10 beats faster, playing them louder, adding guitar solos where they shouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> um and just yeah i just like the the change of energy is really nice and it's kind of i that's what i miss is kind of having that the, the music the recorded music and then thinking about what would be the antithesis of that and that would be the live show um because i when i record i record everything i, I write everything so it's going to be nearly impossible to replicate that in the live situation. So I figured, well, might as well just like play into that a little more and, and just turn it into a real rock show, you know? 
Yeah, that's great. Yeah, actually, when I think about that. Yeah, that's really cool, man. Um, okay, unrelated. What's the story behind your biggest song? What is love? Is it easy? What uh, that is the right, It's what is love? Is it easy? Or what is what is love? Tell me, is it easy? Tell me, is it easy? Yeah. Tell me, is it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've you've got a, you've got a lot of songs, so sometimes it can be tough to keep track of all of the names. But yeah, tell me what the story is about that. Was there a certain experience or person that led to you writing this track, or did you just want to write a love song? Well, it's kind of, it's a little, it, I don't know if it's too interesting in the story, but uh, I was basically, I was at that house behind the museum and um, my buddy was home and he showed me this, this guitar chord voicing. And um, I was basically playing around with that and just found the chords that I really liked. Um, and I was like, okay, well, might as well, I'll record that tomorrow. So I basically go up to the attic in the morning and I think I had recorded the music and maybe because I was just feeling kind of lonely that shaped the, the lyrics. I mean, they're not very complicated or artsy by any <laughs> stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But I, I really, I think I might've taken five hours to record that. Really? That's a really short time to record a track, actually. Yeah, I I think by dinner time I was done with the song and I was like showing it to my roommates. That's really cool. And I was like, I, I was telling them, I was like, I don't know, it's okay. I don't have a third verse. The bridge is kind of silly, like like a bad jazz player would play those changes. Yeah. Like, oh, it's good. No, it should be a single. And I was like, nah. So it never came out as a single. And then uh, <laughs> rest is history. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's doing pretty well as well. It's got, hang on, wait. Let me open up Spotify. It's got 16 million right now on Spotify. That's, that's pretty good as far as um, indie artists go, you know? It's been, it's been very, very helpful to me. <laughs> I would like to thank the listeners. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, one more question before we get into the would you take the deal thing. Um, are you able to see which playlists that you're added to by any chance? Do you, do you check that yourself? Yes, but I don't really check it too oh, okay. much. I was going to say, because a question that I was going to ask is, what's the weirdest playlist that you've seen yourself added to on Spotify? Um, I don't know. I don't know if I could really answer that, that question. I, I think for the, the latest record, um, getting added to the bedroom pop one was kind of funny, just yeah. because the majority of the record was made in a big fancy studio and... <laughs> on the western side of the country and uh i don't know <laughs> that, that i thought that was funny um i guess maybe that was more based in some of the sonic choices i made uh with the mixing kind of trying to maybe dumb it down a little bit and make it a little more lo-fi because i was scared of the good clean sound of my voice <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> I understand that. Yeah, that's it. But I, I'd be getting scared of my own voice as well when I'm recording music. So, yeah, it's it, it's tough. It's hard out here for for just you know uh, a small time producer like myself. Yeah. There was um, the, last year, uh, which was really was pretty cool. Um, what is love got sampled in a big crit song, and uh, like Jake Holes on that record. Not on that song, but uh, that was really interesting. I never thought the song would, I mean, it's just a two chord change for the verse. Um, I don't know. And then it's a slow song, kind of slow song already, and they slowed it down even more. Yeah. Uh, but it was really, that was a really cool, cool thing. I was bragging about that to my friends. <laughs> that <laughs> is on really cool. Jake Cole's on. And, you know, Lil Wayne, and it's it was it was very cool. I was very stoked on that. Yeah, that is really cool, actually. Now that I think about it, imagine being on the same album as legends such as Lil Wayne and J Cole. That's crazy. And the, the, I didn't even know it was gonna. Well, I I got sent the track like a couple months before, and then um, we didn't button up the business side of it. Um, so the day of the, the record came out, I was like out to dinner with my girlfriend and you know, it was midnight and I was like, oh, I gotta look up and see if the song actually made it. And that's how I found out it was released. And then I was like, oh, the song actually is, it's there. That's really cool, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so like, I've always wondered about sampling though. Like, so people get paid for their samples which are used in tracks. Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, if you take, so samples are basically taking a chunk of the already pre-existing audio from another song and using that moment in your song. Right. So there's a, an interesting kind of maybe loophole in that is you can take basically, the, do the same progression, just record it differently, and that doesn't count sometimes as a sample if you're not actually using that specific source of audio, but you're right. still, you basically record the same track, the same bad audio. Um, is that, am I thinking interpolating then? Is that the right word when I, um, when I, I think believe, about that? I believe so, yes. I'm not, I'm not too well versed in, in, the, in the sample kind of context, but um, yeah, I, I went to some, a little like seminar thing on it a while back and you know it's interesting stuff how because because i mean it, for me like i'm not gonna pay you know so some samples even you know three second five second chunks of a song that can be thousands of dollars you know like yeah, exactly thousand even um i think i i think i read somewhere that like danny brown on uh, atrocity exhibition spent like 75 grand on just samples it might have even been one track but i don't know whatever furthers the song i just I, I and when you can do something like that that's that's cool yeah i mean like you're low-key scaring me now because i've sampled quite a few tracks in some of my own music and i <laughs> i'm hoping that i don't get into trouble now um, um 
if you're if it's on SoundCloud, I think most of the time you can get around the copyright. I, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not a lawyer. I am. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Uh, yeah. 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 You know, it's just stuff to think about. There's, I mean, there's a bunch of like writing and articles on it, you know, to read up on it. And it's, it's a, the funny thing is it's, it's ever changing the, as music is evolving and as streaming in uh, the accessibility of recording and releasing music again, like, uh, yeah, the sample kind of copyright stuff is, is changing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. I think that's a good place to um, go into our last po- last segment. Would you take the deal? This being a segment where I present you with a pitch, but there is a drawback to said pitch. I think that um, pretty much sums it up pretty well. You'll, you'll understand when we get into it. So, would you take the deal? First one. If you are offered five million to be locked in a room with 20 minutes with a 50-50 chance that when you leave the room, you will either be 20 days into the future or 20 years in the future, would you take the deal? So I'm locked in a room. Yes. And I have to decide if it's going to either be 20 days or 20 years in the future. No, so you're offered five million, right, to sit in a room for 20 minutes for yourself, right? So time will pass, 20 minutes of time will pass for you, but outside it could be 20 minutes, no, sorry, 20 days or 20 years into the future. And you'll get five million if you go into the room. Hmm. I don't think I'd take it. Really? I don't know. I I don't want to. I don't want to just leave a room and then end up, you know, being what, forty three. I mean, no, it's all, you'll only be twenty minutes older. Oh, oh, so we're just fast. Okay, all right, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> You're taking the deal. i I probably. That sounds interesting. Doing some time traveling. You can't go back though. <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm. Do you need a, a, a final answer? I mean, like we can, we I can. Like the TV shows. Like... <laughs> uh, honestly, that probably would be best. Yeah. <laughs> Twenty years in the future, five million dollars might not buy you too much. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well. Let's say it's worth five million now. Okay. Yeah, I'll take the chance. Cause twenty days in the future, and then you know fifty fifty. And if if I if it it's twenty years later, I'm still the same age. Yeah, yeah, that sounds interesting to me. I'd consider it. Yeah, I'd. I'm not going to lie to you. I probably wouldn't do five million though. Five million is a lot of money. Now that I think about it. It's tempting. It's tempting. Yeah. <laughs> I still wouldn't do it. <laughs> why, why wouldn't you do it? Because like the idea that if all of my friends, all of my family is going to be 20 years older and I'll have missed out on so much. 
It just, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to risk that, to be honest. But 20 days, what will happen in 20 days? I mean, I've got exams coming up in less than 20 days. so <laughs> I would like to skip past that. <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. But then again, if I skip those exams, then that's my... Then again, I get 5 million. So I think ex I won't have to worry about exams if I have 5 million in the bank. Yeah, I would, I would be happy to do the 20-day fast-forward thing, the 20-year. That's, I don't know. That would be, I'd be bummed if that was the actual thing that happened. Yeah. Oh, God, it's making me rethink my answer. <laughs> um, yeah. I, okay, next one. You will acquire all the powers slash abilities of the superhero you choose but everyone you love and care for will be in severe danger and risk of death. No. no. <laughs> really? No. I mean, I'd like to be able to fly, but... No, no. Hard no on that one. I mean, you could just choose to be, I don't know, like, freaking Galactus or something and... Yeah, just like be super powerful and anyone who tries to fight you will... Then again, it's severe danger though and risk of death. So I guess it's proportional to the amount of powers you have. Like you don't see you don't see um, the whole of the Avengers just fighting, I don't know, like the Green Goblin or something. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You always just see one superhero fighting, you know, one small be, person. I'd just be, rather be normal like I am and weak and uh, think that my my family and the people I care about are doing all right not have to worry about severe danger of villains it's that's true yeah man I mean it would be a cool story to tell people though you know like hey did you hear about that 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 building that fell down the other week yeah that was because of me <laughs> I picked it back up yeah, exactly. Include it back together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, okay, next one. You can be completely protect protected from the dangers and despair of the outside world inside of a building that only knows happiness and there will be bountiful quantities of food and money and many things, but you're trapped in there forever. And the only way to leave is to murder one of your only friends. Oh, goodness. This one's a tough one, you know? No. Why? Why? I mean, I, you gotta learn to take the good with the bad. You gotta... The balance. The balance. That's what it's all about. I don't want happiness and pure joy every day, 24-7. That's true, yeah. That's a, that's a really interesting philosophy and way of life. Yeah, you can't have too much joy in life, otherwise you're begin to stop appreciating it as much. I mean, that's, that's, that's even with songwriting, like, if you're happy all the time, how are you gonna write a sad song? Exactly, yeah. You, know? you need that balance of real experience. That's so that's, true, yeah. That's, that's how life should be. It's, that's the healthy way. It can't, it just can't all be nice and easy. Yeah. Easy Okay, um, I guess we can move on to the next one. Yeah, I mean, I personally wouldn't choose that. 
Yeah, no, I wouldn't choose that. I'm not killing one of my friends. <laughs> oh, actually, then again, I don't necessarily have to kill them. I only need to kill them in order to leave. So I'd consider it. Maybe. I don't know. There's only happiness and money and food in there. Yeah. I probably I probably wouldn't do it still. <laughs> yeah. That one's pretty obvious for me. I think so, yeah. Uh, okay. You will be the richest man in the entire world, but you live in a world after a nuclear war just after Fallout. This one might be a bit obvious. It might not be as obvious as I think, though. I'm interested to hear what you think. No. <laughs> I mean... Why? I mean, after a nuclear fallout, I mean, are we talking like apocalypse kind of where like money doesn't mean anything at that point, right? You'll still be the richest person on earth, though. No, no. Yeah, I wouldn't do it either. Is that, is that all? You've got nothing else to add? <laughs> that one is like, that one seems, again, pretty obvious. That's like, that's evil. And yeah. <laughs> like it wouldn't be, you'd be the richest person on, you know, in the world, but. Yeah, but that means nothing when you're the only person on the you, in the world, though. What would you do with that money? What would you Bro, I, I don't know. Go take a money shower or something. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, okay, last one. Quantum leap power. Six days out of the week, you will wake up in the body of a different person. You and your surroundings will stay the same, but your body will transform into someone else's. No. No? No. So I would be still be in my house, still wake up in the same bed, but just have a different body? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That seems to, like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm okay with my, myself. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. I mean, it could be male or female, actually. Like, you could end up in going an entire six days just turning into a random female person. But it's only for, like, one day, and then you're a different person, right? Yeah, that's true, yeah. I don't know. And, ah, no. That's a no for me on that one. No? It would be <laughs> cool, though. I'd No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. I mean, maybe <laughs> for a week... One single week? Yeah, that, one single week, I'd absolutely do it. Yeah, I'd try that out. Yeah. See, I don't know, like, it would be interesting to see how you get treated as a, like, because I, I see women on Twitter and Reddit all the time, like, complaining about how they get treated and stuff. And I feel like it would just be interesting. It would help me appreciate them more if I was able to go through what they go through for a week, if you know what I'm talking about. Step into somebody else's shoes. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. It would be it would be cool. Um, cool. So, my last question before I let you go on your way, Ian, actually, is um, you are heard by everyone on Earth right now 
for 10 seconds. You get a microphone, it's connected to like the planet Earth. Everyone can hear you. It's translated into every language for 10 seconds. What do you say? Um. Hi, mom. <laughs> uh, that would probably eat up two seconds. Um, I'd probably sing something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Ah, oh, man. Um, I'd probably end it with like peace and love, Ringo Starr style. Peace in the. I don't know. That's that's tough. I don't really have any anything. If I had ten seconds, I don't know. I don't know what. I'd just say be nice to each other. What would you say? I don't. I. <laughs> what would I say? I I tell them um go listen to the Shane Anigans podcast available on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. <laughs> um, but I probably would say that I'd probably tell them to go listen to my music or something. Maybe um go follow my Instagram and I'd end it off with telling them to to be nice because I don't want to get flamed on Twitter for being for only focusing on myself, you know. Because I know that no matter what I say, I could tell them, I could, I could tell people to be nice. Literally, I could just tell people to be nice and people would be like, eh, he only told them to be nice. He just wasted the, the biggest advertising opportunity in history. Like, it was a positive message. What do you mean? Yeah. No, no matter what I say, it's, I'm going to get some negative um, attention from it. So... Really want to broadcast my voice for ten seconds. I don't know if I could. I don't I mean, know if I could do the challenge. You've been doing it for about an hour now, so. <laughs> uh -oh. I'm not on like, you know, Times Square, the the monitor, you know. It's yeah, not like that's true. In the movies where they take over their TV sets, you know. Yeah. Fair enough. Um. <laughs> Do you know what? I think that's a good place to end off this episode, actually. So, Ian, Hala, do you have anything else you'd um, like to say to the listeners just before we um, close things off now? Uh, be on the lookout for some new music soon and uh, stay safe, stay uh, positive and uh, peace and love. <laughs> peace and love, yeah. Uh, cool. So, listeners of the Shane Anagans podcast, Artist Edition, thank you for listening. Stay Shane amazing, and I will see you all next time. And that concludes this fortnight's installment of the Shane Anagans podcast, Artist Edition with Ishana Sumazura. I am, of course, Ishana Sumazura. Feel free to subscribe to this channel and click the bell next to it, or if you're an audio listener, simply subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. If you have anyone you'd like to see on the podcast, or if you're an artist who would like to make an appearance, feel free to drop me a message on any of my socials. See you all next time.